never been more perfect union. How could the bond still be so strong if he were not at the other end of it? He was there, her other part. Until dead, he must be living. There was no intermediate state. Why should he be as entombed and unresponding as if the screws were in the lid? But the faintly beating heart did not quicken beneath her lips. She extended her arms suddenly, describing eccentric lines above, about him, rapidly opening and closing her hands as if to clutch some escaping object, then sprang to her feet and went to the window. She feared insanity. She had asked to be left alone with her dying husband, and she did not wish to lose her reason and shriek a crowd of people about her. The green plots in the yards were not apparent, she noticed. Something heavy, like a pall, rested upon them. Then she understood that the day was over, and that night was coming. She returned swiftly to the bedside, wondering if she had remained away hours or seconds, and if he were dead. His face was still discernible, and death had not relaxed it. She laid her own against it, then withdrew it with shuddering flesh, her teeth smiting each other, as if an icy wind had passed. She let herself fall back in the chair, clasping her hands against her heart, watching with expanded eyes the white sculptured face which, in the glittering dark, was becoming less defined of outline. Did she light the gas, it would draw mosquitoes, and she could not shut from him the little air he must be mechanically grateful for. And she did not want to see the opening eye, the falling jaw. Her vision became so fixed that at length she saw nothing, and closed her eyes and waited for the moisture to rise and relieve the strain. When she opened them, his face had disappeared. The humid waves above the housetops put out even the light of the stars, and night was come. Fearfully, she approached her ear to his lips. He still breathed. She made a motion to kiss him, then threw herself back in a quiver of agony. They were not the lips she had known, and she would have nothing less. His breathing was so faint that in her half-reclining position she could not hear it, could not be aware of the moment of his death. She extended her arm resolutely and laid her hand on his heart. Not only must she feel his going, but so strong had been the comradeship between them, it was a matter of loving honor to stand by him to the last. She sat there, in the hot, heavy night, pressing her hand hard against the ebbing heart of the unseen and awaited death. Suddenly, an odd fancy possessed her. Where was death? Why was he tarrying? Who was detaining him? From what quarter would he come? He was taking his leisure drawing near with footsteps as measured as those of men keeping time to a funeral march.
By a wayward deflection, she thought of the slow music that was always turned on in the theater when the heroine was about to appear, or something eventful to happen. She had always thought that sort of thing ridiculous and inartistic. So had he. She drew her brows together angrily, wondering at her levity, and pressed her relaxed palm against the heart it kept guard over. For a moment the sweat stood on her face, then the pent-up breath burst from her lungs. He still lived. Once more the fancy wantoned above the stunned heart. Death. Where was he? What a curious experience. To be sitting alone, in a big house. She knew that the cook had stolen out, waiting for death to come and snatch her husband from her.